Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. In this episode, a recording from the 2014 Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference, which was held at NUI Maynooth. The conference, now in its fourth year, was generously supported by the UCD School of History and Archives, UCD Research, Marsh's Library, Graduate Studies at NUI Maynooth, and the Department of History at NUI Maynooth. This podcast features a paper by Dr. John Jeremiah Cronin entitled The Irish Battlefields Project Survey of the Battle Sites of the Confederate Wars, an illustrative analysis of four battlefields. Just to begin, in 2007, the Department of the Environment, Heritage and Local Government launched the Irish Battlefields Project. This undertaking sought to look at the battles fought in the Republic of Ireland between the 8th century and 1798, with a view to determining how many were locatable in today's landscape and an advisory panel developed a set of criteria to determine what a battlefield constituted, while Rubicon Heritage Services and Enoclan Limited were appointed to carry out the archaeological and historical research. Over 200 potential battlefields were examined, and a large number were eventually mapped, including a significant number of battle sites for the Irish Confederates' wars. In this paper, we shall provide an indication of the type of analysis that was carried out on these. We shall do this focusing on four specific battles, Kilrush, Lescar, Nachtanos and Nachbrack. We will, of course, aside from talking with Kilrush, Lescar, Nachtanos and Nachbrack, we shall make reference to other battles also. So one of the major aims of the Battlefields Project was to carry out landscape analysis on each of the identified sites to determine if this approach could tell us anything about the location and course of the battle. Additionally, this also informed us about a battlefield's current state of preservation. Overall, we found that the majority of rural Confederate war sites remain in relatively good condition today. Among the most common landscape changes which have occurred and which have been observed include construction of single housing developments, land improvements such as drainage and enclosure, and forestry. Now, obviously, the first two or three are quite damaging, and the last one is actually surprisingly damaging as well, because the acidity created by coniferous plantations has the capacity to destroy metal remains, most particularly lead balls, lead bullets, so on and so forth. Yet, despite these caveats, many of the battlefield sites remain remarkable, uh, reveal remarkable landscape survivals. One example of this is the, medieval, is the battlefield site of Clock Lee or Manning Ford, which is effectively a, how would describe it, a cavalry ambush on a retreating Protestant army. This key, um, it took place along a bank road just at the crossing of a ford, as you can see here. And as you can see, this key battlefield feature is extremely well preserved in the landscape and probably looks much as it did on the day of the engagement over 370 years ago. Now, how do you locate a 17th century battlefield in a modern landscape? Well, you do this largely by relying on the primary source accounts available for the engagement. Of key importance is the, identif- is the identification in these texts of what might be described as location indicators, references which point to geographical features that may survive in the modern landscape. Each of the four main sites under consideration here has a number of these, which help to narrow down the likely battlefield locations. These can include eminences, such as Kilrush's Bull Hill. If you look at the map on the front, on the front of that, you'll see it. Nocknoss Hill, where the Confederate Army positioned itself in 1647, and the Hill of Knockbrack or Knocknaclashy, beside which that battle is known to have taken place. These indicators can also be man-made structures, such as Carl Castle, to which the left of the Confederate Army line was anchored during the 1642 battle there. 
If a contemporary map of the battlefield can also be found amongst the primary sources, and as you can see, one for Kilrush exists. Some would argue it's the only one that exists for the Confederate Wars. I would suggest there's actually two. There's possibly one of Rat Mines in Trinity College, Dublin. Uh, then so much the better. When major location indicators such as these have been identified and married with contemporary counts, it is possible to use them as reference points, thus orientating the historical sources and allowing for the identification of other physical aspects of the battlefield site. One of the most important of these are the routeways which opposing forces use to reach the field. In the case of Kilrush, we can establish that the modern N78 Athai Road overlaps with that used by Ormond during his march to Dublin. At which point, and it was on his march back to Dublin, uh, that the Battle of Kilrush actually took place. While in Knockbrack, the surviving Ratkul Bantir Road was used by both armies to reach the field. In the same way, features were a, which were a direct result, consequence of the fighting there, which were of direct consequence of the fighting there, can also be identified. At Kilrush, uh, a deep dry lane, which is uh, spoken of in the primary sources, uh, and which is described as separating the two armies, is almost certainly fossilised in a modern local laneway. Equally, being aware of the position of Liz Carl Castle relative to the fighting at that battlefield allows us to identify to what is referred to in the primary sources as a meadow across which the two armies fought. While the Hill of Knockbrack provides the same service on that battlefield with the relative location of what was described as a fair moor on, the, on which the main action took place, can be identified. This is the floodplain of the River Blackwater, which is also uh, runs parallel to the battlefield. A similar methodology can be used to identify these locations, those locations that played an important role in the battle's aftermath. Boggy areas about Kilrush and Liscarl are referred to as places where refuge was sought by defeated infantry, and at both sites, wetland areas survive in the same approximate location as described in the primary sources. This provides us with important information as to the probable route of retreat of the defeated. Given all this, then, it becomes possible to at least broadly trace out the routes of advance, sites of engagement, and lines of retreat on many of our 17th century battlefields, including the Confederate <coughs> War ones. So, just as a modern landscape can reveal potential survivals from the 1640s and 50s battlefields, so too we can offer explanations for occurrences during the engagement. Perhaps the most notable of these is the battlefield of Nuss which for the most part was fought in and around a large hill of the same name. The fighting there was characterised by confusion. One wing of the Confederate army, largely made up of Scottish redshanks under the command of uh, Alistair McCullough, MacDonald, swept away their parliamentarian opponents, even as the other wing of the army, led by Theobald Viscount Taft, was being routed, seemingly without either wing of the Confederate army having any idea of the fate of the other. The terrain in Nocturnus clearly demonstrates how this was quite possible. As you can look at the field there, as you can look at the topography there, it's clear that whichever side you position the armies, it is clear that it is perfectly possible that a bad general, as Theobald Viscount Taft was, was perfectly capable of placing an army on that hill in such a way as to make sure that one wing of his army couldn't see the other wing of his army. Anyway, which the primary sources say he did, by the way. Anyway... All four of the sites under consideration today have significant archaeological potential, as indeed do the majority of Confederate war battlefields examined by the project. Key to this archaeological survival is the employment of firearms during the conflict. It is likely that at each battlefield a considerable amount of lead bullets survive in the topsoil layer. We know both armies had muskets. We even know they had artillery. It, uh, the Confederate side generally tended to have more pikemen than musketmen, but they did have musketmen, they did have a certain amount of artillery, certainly Liscarla did, they drew a cannon, 
uh, by Oxen from Limerick to take part in this car, uh, to, to use at this car. And we do know from the sources that survived that the Parliamentarian Army or the armies opposed, let's put it this way, the armies opposed the Confederates, be they Ormond's Army in 1642 or the Parliamentarian Army commanded by Inchiquin in 1647. Simple labels, I know, but nonetheless, I'll stick to them. We do know that they had a considerable amount of muskets in, in each of these engagements. So there is a considerable potential for the survival of lead bullets, lead balls, etc., etc., in these battlefields. These can be accompanied by many other object types dropped or discarded during the fighting. Dungan's Hill, uh, one of the significant battles which we're not dealing with here, but there is being reports that a pike head has been found there. Now, whether that has to do with 1798 in Mead or whether it has to do with the actual battle in Dungan's Hill in 1647 has yet to be determined, but nonetheless, it's possibly, it, it is, this shows it's certainly possible. As we have already explored, many of the surviving landscape features may also form part of a battlefield's archaeological signature. Another archaeological remnant to consider are the bodies of the slain, which are likely buried in pits on or near the spot where they fell. And if you take a look at folklore, say, some place like Liscarl, folklore says that 18 members of the Fitzgerald of Desmond are buried in a ring fort near that particular battlefield. So we should look at that. It has been... Repeatedly illustrated internationally that systematic metal detection survey of battlefields can reveal new insights into the course of these engagements, often, often significantly supplementing or even challenging historical interpretations of events. Such survey work at the English Civil War battlefield of Edge Hill, for instance, established the firing lines of both the Royalist and Parliamentarian forces, altering, altering traditional views of their alignments. The work also facilitated the determination of the precise location of a number of artillery pieces on the field. The spots from which the cannon were discharged could be traced based on the cone of fire left by the hail shot they poured into the enemy during the fight. Although similar military remains have yet to be discovered at a major battlefield in Ireland, they have been uncovered for Irish siege sites of the Confederate Wars. Excavations at King John's Castle in Limerick have produced evidence for both, both siege mining and countermining, as well as the discovery of a mass grave associated with the 1642 siege. There has also been a mass grave discovered at another 1642 siege site, Carrick Mines Castle in Dublin. The remains at Carrick Mines displaying signs of violent death, having suffered a range of sharp force, blunt force, and gunshot traumas. The remains also were of men, women, and children, which I suppose speaks to the ferocity of the warfare that was uh, practiced. This indicates that they had been killed during the storming of the fortress on 27th of March 1642. Perhaps the most impressive assemblage of military material from a single siege site in, a single siege site in Ireland also dates this period. Excavations at Clockoopter Castle, County Cavan, the last mainland stronghold to fall to parliamentarian forces in 1653 revealed an array of both the artillery projectiles used to reduce the position and also the possessions of defenders such as firearms and clothing fragments. Uh, I would like to point out that this impressive military material was discovered by, among other people, Damien Shields. So... I think he's talking it up, but it is impressive nonetheless. Archaeological remains such as these provide abundant evidence of the significant archaeological potential of many of our Confederate war sites. The principal reason that significant discoveries have not as yet been made on any such site, we would argue, is due to the fact that none have been archaeologically investigated. Although none of the sites which are focused, uh, one none does. It should be pointed out that Liscarl Castle, even though we don't have any archaeological remains from that particular battlefield site as of yet. They does, this Carl Castle was taken uh, by siege later on in the 1640s, uh, in the early 1650s, in fact, and the curtain walls of that castle actually do have uh, 
scarring from uh, artillery projectiles used in the storming of the castle then. And finally, <coughs> commemoration, which is shown here. Now, one of the things the battlefield project did was record how these battlefields are remembered in the modern landscape. And the majority of Confederate war sites have nothing to indicate awareness of their existence in the form of signage or memorials. This was the case with both Kilrush and Liscarl, where no indicators of physical commemoration were observed during the field visits. I think actually, though, recently Liscarl has held uh, some sort of festival to commemorate its military history. So it's physical commemoration isn't the only type of commemoration that we should bear in mind, of course. Uh, among the exceptions, though, in terms of physical commemoration are not Brack and which has a sign erected uh, in 2002 and which reads as follows Knockbrack Battle Site Here on 26th of July 1651 an army of approximately 3,000 commanded by Lord Brahel Brackett Cromwellian close bracket, defeated an army of approximately equal strength commanded by Lord Musgrave Brackett Irish close bracket, amidst great slaughter Brahel tells us I gave orders to kill all and we had a goodly execution for up to three miles and indeed it was bloody here he was afterwards known as the Butcher of Knockbrack. McCarthy, Lord of Duhallow, was killed here, leading a troop of cavalry, Mulligudio Now, if you actually take a look at the handout I gave you in terms of Knockbrack, it's not an awfully bloody battle. In fact, there is a certain amount of evidence to suggest um, that Brothel's army suffered worse than the defeated army of Musgrave. He actually says in the same document that his army were uh, much shattered after the battle. He does claim in a later account written about, I suppose, in his book, The Art of War, which was written a good 20 years after uh, the battle itself, that he, had, um, that he did manage to kill a lot of the enemy. But I, I've always found with Lord Brahal that you're better off relying on his contemporary account because he, as time goes, as he writes, he tends to create... Uh, fantasies and fictions around these events. Anyway, the, of the two monuments at Knocknoss, the most notable are the two large pillars adjacent to the OR 580 road which framed the hill at Knocknoss. Erected on the occasion of the 300th anniversary of the battle in 97, the plaque there reads, In memoriam, Lieutenant General Sir Alistair McCullough Kitchock MacDonald, Commander of Scottish and Munster Irish Forces, Battle of Knocknoss, 13 November 1647. Sir Alistair, having given up his sword to quarter, was treacherously slain by a soldier of Parliament after the battle. Now, one account, one contemporary account, says that Alastair McCullough MacDonald was killed after he surrendered. Another account says, however, he was actually killed in the battle, so it's not, by no means clear that he was uh, killed while prisoner. The other thing that we should note, of course, is that he's described as commander of Scottish and Munster Irish forces. He's, in fact, the second in command at the battle. The commander was Theobald Viscount Taff, uh, an incredibly incompetent general and a notorious drunk, who, when he side of the army retreated, shot his own soldiers in an effort to stop them leaving the battlefield. Um, he later becomes famous as the drinking buddy of Charles II and, as one colleague of mine described him, as Charles II's pimp. Not the type of person you want to commemorate in a plaque, I suppose. So, um, I suppose, to sum up, it is interesting that memorials such as Knockbrack and Nocton House take a decidedly pro-Confederate view of the battle, and one, because he even described him, if one wanted to be controversial, as crypto-nationalist. As well, and, they, and they always choose to identify one side as exclusively Irish, and they always seem to identify the other side as 
not only as Cromwellian parliamentarian and implied that it's somehow a morally dubious, uh, perfidious group of people involved in all sorts of uh, ungentlemanly behaviour, killing prisoners, uh, massacring people when they get the chance, so on and so forth. Uh, why pick someone like Alistair McCullough? Much more romantic figure than Taff, as I suggested. So it is interesting the way that these things are commemorated. To sum up then, these battle feats, battle sites show, we argue, that an interdisciplinary approach combining archaeological and historical research can prove more than useful to understanding Irish military history. The wars around which much of Irish history pivoted, pivoted and the way that a noteworthy human political activity like warfare impacted upon society. It can certainly lead us to a better understanding of how these key military events played out. And while we have begun this process in the Irish Battlefields Project, great potential exists for continuing this work into the future and bringing it further. Furthermore, this type of research can inform us as to how our landscape has changed over time, if at all. And finally, and arguably most importantly, it can likewise impact upon the way that present-day society interacts with its past by helping us define and potentially preserve what would be a relatively novel type of public monument in Ireland, a battlefield site. Thank you.